0: Welcome to the Muckle Teo Football show. My name is Miles. The turkey has been eaten. The clam chowder consumed. We had three games yesterday couple of naps a good game in the middle Uh, chicago at detroit we started thanksgiving day with the double defer (laughs) the coin toss detroit deferred and then chicago deferred and the ref said you both cannot defer (laughs) it is a day of nostalgia after all we've got to do something weird in the coin toss in detroit on thanksgiving but the bears ultimately defeat the lions 16-14. Uh, the story of the game was the lions penalties just derailing drives. It was funny because in the first half Troy Aikman made a comment that said uh, the lions were surprisingly the middle of the pack in terms of penalties. You know, despite their record, uh, you know, their penalties haven't been the reason. And then from that moment on, and Aikman was, you know, also there to point this out that since he said this, the lions False starts, holds they they just ruined the current drive. The next drive, a key fourth quarter drive. There were a couple of third and thirty-twos there after back to back to back penalties on the Lions. It was it was not a great performance. The Lions crowd was booing. Not great. And then the end of the game for the Lions. Um there was a double timeout that got called uh, and to be kind of an unclear reason why it was called Dan Campbell's getting a lot of crap for calling timeout twice in a row. But maybe this was just me like misremembering the broadcaster already having a Bailey's and coffee on Thanksgiving morning or something. But it seemed like the defensive coordinator was the one calling the second timeout. Um, and then, you know, Dan Campbell, of course, gets dinged for the same, but um it did seem like that. And then the more egregious thing, actually, in that final uh, that final sequence there where the Lions just gave the game to the Bears, they did the double timeout. It was third and nine, made it third and four from about the nine-yard line. The Lions played the softest secondary coverage I've ever seen. They had their guys in the end zone giving up the first down. So basically, they were saying, go ahead and take the first down, but don't score a touchdown a first down ended the game. I mean, a first down meant they could drain the whole clock and kick a field goal from 20 yards away. Why would they give that up? Maybe they were, maybe that's how little faith they have in Jared Goff. Like we think it's more likely that the bears kicker misses a chip shot field goal. than if we give up a touchdown and have to go back down and, and score, uh, we don't think that we're going to do that. You know, we're so quick to LOL lions, you know, me, me included, but we all do need to remind ourselves that the Lions did not trade Matt Stafford for Jared Goff. The Rams paid for the Lions to take Goff. There is a distinction. The Rams paid two firsts and a third, partly to receive Stafford and partly to get rid of Goff and his contract. So, you know, we get kind of caught up in how much Jared Goff sucks and how good Matt Stafford's been this year, but remember, Jared Goff is like the I mean the absolute nadir of that deal. He is a negative for the Lions, <laughs> and he pulled it out today. I mean, this is so sad. So we, you know, we're starting the podcast with a lot of Lions talk, but hey, we start every Thanksgiving with a lot of Lions talk, right? Just I posted after just putting a a competitor and a passionate man like Dan Campbell into this long-standing futility tragic story of the Detroit Lions. We're just watching his life force go away. Soon, he will die. <laughs> it's just sad. But the Bears win, move to four and seven. The Lions, owe 10 and one. I was rooting for the Lions to get win number one. For the Bears, Darnell Mooney had a nice game. Andy Dalton had 300 yards. He didn't pop off the screen, threw a couple bad interceptions. You know, I think we got some box score, score warriors here. Andy Dalton didn't look that good. The whole thing felt like the Bears won this game by default. It didn't even seem like they. it didn't matter who the Lions were playing. They were going to lose 16 to 14. And it saved Matt Nagy's job. Did it? I don't know. It's unclear. Leading up to the game, a lot of the talk was Matt Nagy, quote, will coach his last game or, quote, has been informed that he will be fired. That was a rumor as a topic of the week. They asked Matt Nagy about it. They talked about it on the broadcast every quarter. Every quarter, they talked about it, and I really, I, I don't think that, that it truly happened. I mean, they did have meetings. They canceled meetings. The report came in the midst of a very believable time frame. Matt Nagy should be fired. There's a reason this resonates so well. I think it's reasonable to say that there were some tough conversations from the ownership and management to Nagy about what he needs to do to keep this job. You know, it was probably a steep ask. There was probably some changed behavior they were saying that needs to happen. I almost have a conspiracy take that it was Nagy who leaked that he was going to be fired because it almost protected him, didn't it? It would make the Bears look bad to say, you're fired, but coach this last game. Maybe what they actually said was, you're going to be fired if you don't turn the following things around. But Nagy, who I do not, I'm not a fan of as a person deflects blame, denies, more so than actually coaching, he is always positioning himself to look good. He will not disclose the location he will be watching the game from. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> He's only good at spinning, at denying, at deflecting, at making sure the players get the blame and not him. So I half-heartedly believe, not seriously, but half-heartedly believe that Nagy is the one who told the the press or whoever That he was going to be fired after the game, which then he knew would be a story like, how could the Bears do this? How could the Bears inform someone they're going to be fired, then expect them to coach on Thanksgiving? Therefore, almost protecting him because the firing would then prove that story right. Oh, they did. They did fire him and then ask him to continue to coach. I don't really believe that. but. It would be funny, wouldn't it? Second game, Raiders at Dallas. Another game with a lot of yellow. A lot of yellow. The referees did not let the players play. They called and called and called. The arrogance annoys me. I've talked about this many times on the podcast. But 276 yards of penalties. 28 penalties accepted. Most in any game since 2016. So we've, we've gone five years without a game with that many penalties. The game was still okay. It was a good game. Derek Carr had a great first half. Dak Prescott had a great second half. Carr to Deshaun Jackson, 55-yard touchdown. His fifth team scoring a 55-yard touchdown. Tony Pollard was the MVP, or MVT, most valuable turkey. He had more spark than Zeke. Zeke dealing with that knee injury. Pollard, 100-yard kickoff return. That was fun. But Dak got hot, 100 yards to Gallup, 100 yards to Cedric Wilson. With Cooper and Lamb out, Uh, Raiders kept it close. They sustained some drives, kicked some field goals. All of this to say they got to overtime, 33-33. And Dallas wins the toss. Dak Prescott gets the ball after a a bad kickoff return from Tony Pollard. And Dak misses that, that third and four on the first drive of overtime. A terrible throw. Just punts it back after a three and out to the Raiders. Then it looks like Dallas is going to have a great Thanksgiving. The D is going to bail him out. They're going to give it back to Dak. Certainly Dak can get a field goal after this it's sack on second down. It's third and 18. Derek Carr hasn't really been going downfield much with success when it's predictable. I should say he definitely goes downfield at the unpredictable times and has been connecting. Um, so credit to, De- De- uh, uh, to Derek Carr there. But in third and eighteen, it did seem a little daunting. And then the final play in overtime, Mars cheapens the game, the result. I just hate it. This penalty, ticky-tack, pass interference call. I didn't like the call. Adam or Anthony Brown covering Zay Jones up the middle. There's an underthrown ball. Anthony Brown had both his hands up, but his back to the ball. And everyone knowingly nods. Oh, I didn't get didn't get his head around. Didn't get his head around. But remember. The reason a defensive back is said to need to get their head around is so that the contact can be excused. The contact is a foul if your head is not around because it looks, it makes it look like it's deliberate contact. That's the reason you want to get your head around to make the contact look like you were going for the ball. If there's no contact, it's not a foul. He had his hands up. He didn't really make contact with them. Doesn't have to have his head around. He doesn't have to have his head around if it's not excusing anything. I just thought the ball was underthrown. There was there was no significant contact though. To be fair, Raiders fans listening, there was holding on that same play uh, from from the from the Dallas secondary. So I think there was going to be a penalty uh, either way. All that said. Raiders deserve to win big game for both the AFC and the NFC. So I, I do not, uh, um, I do not call this game like a, a fraudulent game, but it was just frustrating to have the game settled in that way, um, with a bunch of yellow, especially after the lions game where they had just been going so many penalties over and over this referee crew though, in the middle game, um, They need to be talked to, uh, because they were calling way too many penalties, uh, affecting so much of the game. the, The spirits of the rules were not being followed. Um, and that is true. That is what happened. They were, they were, uh, calling it to be on TV. Maybe look, mom, I'm on Thanksgiving TV. All right, Buffalo at New Orleans, last game, wasn't much. The Saints never really had a chance against the Bills. Nobody thought the the Saints were going to put up a fight missing their starting quarterback, their starting tackles, their two starting running backs, and they had no wide receivers to begin with. I mean, truly, the Saints' wide receivers, I mean, you would think that they've had five or six injuries at the wide receiver position, but no, just the one, just the Michael Thomas, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Not super consistent, but a nice stat line, 260 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. He was looking good, comfortable, running the ball. Stephon Diggs, touchdown. Oh, that was a highlight right there. Just a filthy in-and-out route on Marshawn Lattimore. Diggs ends up wide open by the pylon. That was a play that made it uh, 17-0. So Saints never had really any hope. Just so bereft of firepower. This was the game to sink back into a turkey nap, spend time with the family, or take a turkey nap with the family. <laughs> I know we were having fun in front of this game. It was a blowout. We didn't care. We were, uh, we were gambling with the kids on whether or not we could shoot a giant tennis ball dog toy into an upside down stool as the, as the basket. I lost my life savings multiple times to the children of the family all right muckle football show episode 30 shows just football everything and history legacy ups and downs of a season sprinklings of fantasy football follow us at muk underscore football on twitter subscribe share review on apple spotify anchor wherever you get your podcasts we have shows monday after monday night football and a thursday after thursday night football this week, a little bit of different schedule. We had three shows, uh, including the top five Thanksgiving episodes on YouTube. Uh, so definitely uh, <laughs> top five Thanksgiving games of all time on YouTube. Check out that episode. All right, previewing week 12, five great games this week. This is a good week of games. A lot of playoff teams, a lot of consequential teams facing off. You know, the parody in the NFL is, is talked about ad nauseum, but... It is fun. It is fun that the regular season games matter because I, lo- I love baseball. I love basketball, but I will be honest. I, until playoff time comes, you're never really truly engaged. But in football, man, a week 12, week 13, week 14, it can, really, it can really affect your season. Let's start with Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. I would consider it to be a feather in Joe Burrow's hat cap, hat cap to sweep the Steelers in his second season as the Bengals quarterback, especially after that knee injury last year. And the Bengals did uh, confidently handle the Steelers 24-10 in week three. So it's time to do it again. It's time to do it at home. The Bengals are favorited by four and a half. Maybe looking at that Raiders score, I think that the line is a little bit high. I would have thought the the Bengals wouldn't be favored by so much. Um, I, I think... People are looking at the Raiders score in week 11, Bengals Raiders, when the Bengals beat the Raiders uh, by, by 15, 20 points. And then they're looking at the Raiders win last night over the Cowboys and thinking the Bengals did something better than they really did, because really, the Bengals and Raiders were in like a purgatory of who wants to win this game for most of that game. It wasn't impressive, in my opinion. Mike Tomlin, meanwhile, is a great coach. The Steelers are a great organization, and they are getting a few players back. They're still banged up, but this just feels like an upset call. (laughs) The Bengals, I mean, the Steelers winning against the Bengals at home, uh, I shouldn't be scared to do that. So I am going to take the Steelers to not only cover the four and a half, but win this game outright. All right, let's talk Tennessee, New England. Now, this is a good game, too. This looked like a uh, the Tennessee stretch here with Houston and New England looked like it would be the part of the season where they kind of cemented the number one seed. Uh, that's what it looked like in October, but now they lost to Houston, and boy, is New England look a little different on the schedule right now after their six-game winning streak. So, yeah, I picked the Patriots to win the AFC East uh, at the start of the season because I, my reasoning was <clears throat> the world is unfair. <laughs> Sorry, Buffalo, but for six weeks, I looked like a blooming idiot, and now, six weeks after that, I look like a genius. What will I look like in six more weeks? <laughs> the Titans, of course, coming into town without Henry, of course, without A.J. Brown with the chest injury, without Julio, because Julio is never there, um, so Tannehill's working with the B squad. It's a little worrisome. It's a little worrisome for Tennessee. And I do wonder about their running game too. I mean, we've seen we've seen so many good running teams not face a, a dramatic drop off in production after their superstar goes out. You know, the We always get the pregame old guys spelling doom like, oh, they really, the Rams really need Todd Gurley for this run game to work, and then it's fine. The Steelers really need Le'Veon Bell for this running game to work, and it's fine. The Packers really need Aaron Jones, and it's fine. The Vikings really need Dalvin Cook, and it's fine. The Panthers really need Christian McCaffrey, and it's fine. However, this one might be a case where it's actually not fine (laughs) because Derrick Henry is just another thing, and they haven't been great on the ground. I don't want to say yet. For sure that the Titans won't be able to get their ground game back because, first of all, they've, it's been three games since Henry went down. They faced the Rams and the Saints, two teams that were playing stellar run defense. Um, then with uh, uh, against Houston, they did have 100 yards on the ground, even though they're playing from behind uh, quite a bit. So I don't think we fully know yet and they're trying to find the right back, right? It's not Adrian Peterson, he's been cut. Deonta Foreman looks good, uh, but can he keep it up? You know, he had that Achilles injury and we've seen running backs have trouble ever coming back from that. Um Jeremy McNichols was hurt, Dontrell Hilliard signed from the practice squad. Who knows how it's going to go, but uh if the Titans can't get their running game back, can't get their running mojo back to at least 75% of what it was with Henry, they're not going to they're not going to uh do very good. That's my analysis. <laughs> um, the, the number one seed is definitely out of the question, and it already kind of is with that Texans loss because now the Sharks are coming, and Mac Jones is coming, getting hyped for Rookie of the Year, especially with Jamar Chase going down. The Patriots, the Bill Belichick defense. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't see any way that the Titans win this game, and I know... That the Titans have beat the Bills. They have beat the Chiefs. They have beaten the Colts when we didn't think they were going to. They beat the Rams when we didn't think they were going to. But everything comes to an end. Everything comes to an end. Now too many people think the Titans can do anything. So now they'll lose a bunch of games in a row. I'm taking New England comfortably here. From Bill Belichick to Tom Brady. It's 2021. Tampa Bay at... Indianapolis and the MVP race is storyline in this game with Tom Brady and Jonathan Taylor in the same game. Now, you know my opinion, a quarterback's gonna get this. You know, the MVP voter voters are they're gonna slip into their breakfast nook, open up a crisp printed newspaper to review the headlines. And this game will matter for the MVP race. They want to see Brady do good against a dark horse MVP candidate like Jonathan Taylor. Why does it matter? I don't know. But the MVP is voted on by a bunch of old fogies. All right. (laughs) MVP is going through a week-by-week transformation. Taylor, 200 yards, five touchdowns against the Bills last week. The Colts running game is going. He has announced himself as an aspiring Goliath running back season. He's got the offensive line for it in the vein of 2012 Peterson, 1998 Terrell Davis. I think it's fun. I think it's a lot of fun, and I really hope that we can get a running back MVP because it would be super cool. It's very rare. There's a couple of components that are lining up for Jonathan Taylor. First, the Colts do need to make playoffs. Looking good right now at the AFC and chaos. Titans may be losing to the Patriots here. Number two, the quarterback can't be stealing the credit for the wins. And I don't think that anyone's crediting Carson Wentz, you know, it, for these wins. He's capable, but not having to do too much. You know, that is, um, that's the type of quarterback you need for an MVP running back season. And he does have to meet some statistical plateaus you know that jonathan taylor can't have a bad game brady can have a bad game and still be mvp jonathan taylor cannot he's got to continue to accumulate stats he's got 1400 yards right now and 15 touchdowns he's gotta average at least 100 yards a game and get up over 2000 scrimmage yards um for the season uh or get up over 20 touchdowns somehow uh as well so One of those things has to happen. Uh, So, not likely, but you know, you know, I love talking about this stuff. And if Brady gets to forty-five touchdowns or five thousand yards, it doesn't matter what Jonathan Taylor does. And believe it or not, yes, it's twenty twenty-one. Tom Brady's forty-four years old, and he is on pace for forty-five touchdowns and five thousand yards in sixteen games. Forget the seventeenth game when we talk about on pace in context of history. 45 touchdowns or 5,000 yards if brady keeps up this pace he will reach it and then have one more game and it's possible because as i said the the weapons are there but also the other factor which shouldn't count an mvp but kind of does and, and maybe should is that the defense and the secondary of tampa bay is still getting healthy and uh, and at a risky um risky place as far as winning games so in this actual game, I'll take the Buccaneers. They have so many more ways of winning the game. So many more. They can lean on Frenette. They can lean on Ronald Jones in garbage time. They've got a good offensive line, just as good as the Colts, in my opinion, especially Quentin Nelson banged up. Um, and the Colts really only have one thing they can do, which is take a lead early. And when they do take it lead early, you know, Tom Brady is not going to pull a Josh Allen. Tom Brady will stay calm and they will sustain drives. Um, So, I will take the Buccaneers here. If the Colts win, that's a huge deal for Jonathan Taylor's MVP candidacy. Why? Why does it matter if Jonathan Taylor does this against Tom Brady versus if he did it against Baker Mayfield? I don't know. But the MVP voters are old and they only follow narratives. And I'm hard on them. All right, Rams at Packers, Aaron Donald, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones likely to play the Aaron game. Donald was uh, they so this these teams faced off in the divisional matchup in 2020 divisional playoffs. Um, Aaron Donald was hurt, which was uh, disappointing because it derailed that Rams defense last year. I mean they were they were performing at an all time level under Brandon Brandon Staley, now Chargers head coach. That and. How much if they had been able to drag Jared Goff again to the Super Bowl, that would have been really impressive. But Donald got hurt. Jared Goff sucks. The Rams are coming off the bye after two ugly losses on primetime. They lost to the Titans on Sunday night football, uh, and then they lost to the 49ers on Monday night football. Stafford, you know, he began November in MVP conversation, has fallen out. But this is. This is always what Stafford has done. This is Stafford's entire career from 2009 to now. High-end flashes over the course of a couple games, a couple times of a season. He has a few stretches of games that are really good, as good as any quarterback. And then he disappears for a while. He can get hot. He goes cold. And Stafford could get hot and win a Super Bowl. But the Rams need to make the playoffs. Ideally win the NFC West. This is a tough draw going to Green Bay. and It's a big game. This would be a great time for Stafford to get hot again. The Rams need to turn it around. And how much will Odell Beckham Jr. be involved? How much will Von Miller be involved? We we fans think it's so much easier to integrate into an offense or a defense than it really is. You know, it's it's just not as intuitive to us. But it's really like. You know football and really all team sports. They're kind of, It's like being a band. You know the the real magic happens when the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You know, and the the sum of many great parts uh, doesn't doesn't amount to as much as good chemistry and just those those intangibles that you can't really define sometimes. And it takes longer than people think. But I also have to imagine that the Rams added these players with a with a fitting place in mind, you know, so they had the buy. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. Um, in Lambeau Packers, Devonta Adams on fire Aaron Jones likely coming back. They got AJ Dillon there. Anyway, uh, Rogers dealing with COVID 19. <laughs> it's just my favorite meme right now. COVID. <laughs> uh, but he had 385 yards and four touchdowns last week in the Vikings loss. So we're not worried about Aaron Rodgers. I don't think, um, in terms of his play, I am worried about Aaron Rodgers in this game because we take for granted the offensive line play in front of Rodgers, especially since Rodgers makes offensive linemen look good with his quick decision making and throwing away the ball. But the Rams lost one of their elite linemen, Eldon Jen- Jenkins. He's done for the year. Bakhtiari is still out and Aaron Donald is coming to town. I mean, this game was basically a pick I'm going to take the Rams just for that, just for the trenches, the, the significant, significant shift between losing a great lineman on Green Bay's side and Aaron Donald coming off a week of rest. That's enough for me, especially in this game with two good, good coaches. All right. Actually, two coaches from the same tree. Remember, Matt LaFleur was a that's how he got hired was his offensive coordinating for the Rams. All right. Last game, Sunday Night Football, Cleveland at Baltimore. Baker Mayfield, he's out there to overpower some defensive ends and convert some second and twos. I just wish he would just admit it. Go down. We talk about this all the time, but he's hurt. I cannot get behind Baker because, as I said on the Monday podcast, he will remain hurt because his playing style is going to create that. And at what point is Case Keenum a better option? I mean, I'm seriously thinking about that, and I think this game may be a turning point. Uh, for that, uh, I'm worried about the Browns worried about Baker, especially with such a good roster. Sunday night football shine a major light first overall pick in the 2018 draft Baker Mayfield. Not as good as the 32nd pick in that same draft Lamar Jackson. He'll be back. He was sick. Um, I do believe that there was an illness that went through the entire group, the entire Ravens. You know I'm a conspiratorial guy. I think the teams lie. They pretend not to uh, do things. I mean, after all, we heard on the broadcast yesterday, Saints, Buffalo, they're like, oh, Taysom Hill, the reason he's not playing is a, is a foot injury. Well, that's not on the injury report. So can we ever trust an injury report ever again? No, we can't. Because <laughs> there's, there, was a foot, there was a hurt foot that wasn't on the injury report. So they lied. They lied. Anyway, I think the Ravens lied. I think there was an illness that went through quite a bit more. It got Lamar Jackson, got Hollywood Brown. Remember Rashad Bateman was also out for a couple practices there. I think that affected them last week. And, you know, we, we feel the lacklusterness of the Tyler Huntley game. They won. They won. Beat the Bears, but we didn't like like the passing game and stuff. I think the Ravens are just fine coach of the year john harbaugh truly he has dealt with some heck of a stuff um that's my vote so far going into week 12 so i'm gonna say the ravens win this game favored by 3.3 and i will take them to win and cover comfortably all right i will see you all on monday to review week 12 hope everyone had a happy thanksgiving i'm thankful for the show uh thankful for my mom and my grandma who both um uh, uh, inspired the show, and I just uh, thank you all for listening. Appreciate you. Bye.